Hi, and welcome to Black, White, but mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between the right and wrong are blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Something like that, right? right? Yes. Take two. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we should do like exercises. I know, right? Blah, blah, blah. All right. Okay. Let's going here. Let's get some light on this thing. More light. Yeah, that'll help. Your chair is squeaking. You know, I decided that's okay. All Don't right. You Don't you think? Yeah, there's a podcast I listen to where this woman, whenever she moves, like yeah. it sounds like she's farting. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Season one, episode three. Opening. Take two and three, two. Hi, and welcome to Black White. But mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our personal vision of reality. If we take the time to look beyond the levels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we want to explore. So open your minds and join us. Dano, I'm so psyched about today's topic. It's something we've been talking about for decades. How being dark-skinned makes you less valuable and less desirable in the Black community, while more dangerous in the eyes of the white community. I know, right? But before we go any further, Aliki, you and I want to thank Kalanji Kadima, Kono, we like to call him, for creating our amazing electric sounds for our show. Kono's a friend of ours who's making a career as a musician and producer out in San Diego. Yeah, thanks, Kono. Very catchy. Love the tune. Love the beat. And I love that we're talking about our obsession with skin color. In part one, we're going to focus on calorism. Then in our next episode, we'll talk about black fishing, cultural appropriation, and cultural colonialism. We got a lot on our plate, Leaky, but before we dive into any of that, let's start with our very popular segment where you get to explain some of your recent social media posts to me. Ready? Let's go. All right. Leaky, recently you posted a quote from Dr. Maya Angelou that's actually from her very famous poem, Still I Rise. And you want to read that for everybody? Yes. It says, you may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness. But still, like air, I'll rise. Still I Rise is a poem primarily about self-respect and self-confidence. In the poem, Dr. Angelo reveals how she will overcome anything through her self-esteem and nothing, not even her skin color will hold her back. It is a poem I deeply love because it is inspiring for a dark-skinned woman like myself. You know, speak of inspiring, do you think that Nike was inspired by that poem and came up with uh, Air Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be interesting. I doubt it, though. Oh, okay. Just do it. <laughs> well, Air Jordan, you know, still I rise. Michael, uh, hey. 
I see all where right. you're going with that. All right, all right. Up next is a heart with two hands reaching out to each other, and it says, Aliki, what? To love is to recognize yourself in another. And this one is by the author and spiritualist Eckhart Tolle. I mean, it, this is really self-explanatory. I think what we love in others is what we embody in ourselves. So that to me there is just succinct. Well, yeah, and I think it also speaks to, you know, as a Christian, you know, God said the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is to love your neighbor because I am in your neighbor. So by recognizing yourself and others, you're recognizing God and others. And does that make sense? Totally. Totally. All right. Finally, here's a quote from Terrence Lester. You posted and he says, you're not obligated to sacrifice your peace for those who aren't at peace with themselves. What do you like about this one? Well, I really like this because, I mean, we are going to be talking about, you know, colorism and all of these things. Um, And to me, that just says, personally, colorism is something I kind of came upon after immigrating to the United States. I mean, it it exists in Africa, but I just didn't grow up in that kind of environment. So I like to remind myself, and and, and this and this quote kind of you know uh, is a good reminder for that to not actually let other people's uh, discomfort with themselves uh, it affect me in a way because a lot of the perpetrators of things like that are people I believe that don't feel that good about themselves. So it's almost like they want to transfer that energy, you know, onto others. So this was just uh, a reminder to myself, daily reminders that what other people feel is not what I feel, you know, that's that. Yep. Kind of a reminder to keep your focus on what really matters, right? Exactly. And there you have it. Words of wisdom from my favorite Gemini. Hey, Aliki, you represent perhaps one of the most discriminated segments in the world, dark-complected women are much more likely to experience discrimination. They have less access to opportunities than those with whiter complexions. And I'm not just saying that. We've got research, including a new Pew Research Center study. But we don't need research because it's something that many of us have known for centuries, right? You got that right. And you, a fair-skinned white American male, represents the other end of the spectrum. In the U.S., because of deeply entrenched racism, Dark skin is demonized and light skin wins the prize. And that occurs precisely because this country was built on principles of racism. The privileging of light skin over dark is at the root of an ill known as colorism. Well, sounds like you and I are eminently qualified to talk about skin colors because we represent both ends of the spectrum. And we're going to do that right after this short break. Back in a moment.
Welcome back, everybody. Aliki, before we get into our colors and discussion, let, let's define what we're talking about, okay? All right. So colorism is a term that was coined by Alice Walker, who is the author of The Color Purple. And that book, very famous book, was written in 1983, in which uh, Walker describes colorism as prejudicial or preferential treatment of a same race people based solely on their color. Now, Leaky and I have done a little research. Uh, you know, you know, the disrespect of dark-skinned black people goes all the way back to the 1600s when lighter slaves, which were usually the children of rapes committed against enslaved black women, uh, were given certain privileges, such as they didn't have to work in the field. Right, Aliki and Right. Uh those were the those are the ones referred to as the house negroes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's a lot that still that it still goes on, <laughs> you know, um, in our society today where you know the lighter your skin is, the more privileges you have, the more access to opportunities, whether it's you know, as a woman, you know, getting better uh looking and higher earning males, um, or just better jobs. It is you know, so colors, embedded. Yeah, colorism really is a subset of racism. And, you know, I guess one of our goals in doing this, this two-part series is just to show how ridiculous it is that there's people out there that are spending billions of dollars to make their skins light, lighter, billions to make their skin darker. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? Well, I mean, it all comes down to what we prefer. The fact that we have you know, such large percentages of people on both ends of the spectrum. You got those who are trying to get lighter and then you got those who are trying to look darker. It just shows you how nothing in this world is really black and white. It's interesting, Aliki, uh, that most of the, the studies and research done on colorism have been done in the U.S. because, uh, it's just so ingrained in the culture in, in other areas. Uh, we talked about, uh, before we came on the air, the caste system in India, how the, the color of your skin determines, you know, um, your place in society. And uh, I know back, back in the day when we were living in New York and hanging out with a lot of your African friends, we had a lot of discussions about uh, the importance of skin color within you know, black Africans. Oh, yes. And it is, it's so funny because you would think on the African continent where the majority of us are dark, uh, that that wouldn't be a problem. But because of colonialism and our relationship uh, to Europeans, it is actually, I feel like it's actually worse because according to the World Health Organization, uh, Nigerians are the highest users of, of bleaching products at 77%. Now, then followed by Togo with uh, 59% and South Africa at 35%, and then Mali at 25%. But 77%, that's just how absurd that reality is. And you will see in Africa men, both men and women, bleach. Uh, and it's a big market, and everybody expects it. Like when I went home to Uganda at three years ago, people were surprised that I am not bleaching because that's expected. When you have money, 
you get lighter because you can afford those products. Isn't that ridiculous? That is ridiculous. You know, the there's a British Nigerian actress uh, who has put together a documentary on Netflix called Skin. And she talks about being treated differently for having dark, dark skin. And I wish I had her name, but I don't at, at the, her first name's Naya. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said that she was inspired to produce the documentary because she suffered low self-esteem when she was being bullied growing up. Uh, and she grew up in the uh, United Kingdom, uh, was born in Nigeria, but, uh, you know, was feeling the full brunt of her darkness uh, in, in, uh, in the UK, which is not surprisingly one of the, <laughs> one of the leading uh, purchasers of skin darkeners. In, in the world they, in in the uk oh yeah uh, all the all the brits um go someplace in august to go try to get as dark as they can oh that's interesting yeah and then they and- look ridiculous when they go back to their gray, <laughs> gray <laughs> dull worlds we, no, i'm sorry sorry to all my friends in the uk we we human beings are an interesting uh species to say the least. And that's what makes life interesting. But I totally get what uh, Naya is saying in this documentary because growing up in the U.S., that is something that I personally experienced. And it was strange for me too because I remember, you know, when someone first made fun of me, it was like, oh, you're so dark. You know, they were like, your kind of uh, blackness is not considered beautiful here in America. And I just remember looking at them and being kind of like dumbfounded. I was like, well, uh, I'm African. What do you expect me to look like? But I come from a family. I come from the darkest people on earth. Uh, we're, we're Sudanese who immigrated, you know, our ancestors immigrated down the Nile Valley and we found ourselves in Uganda now, whatever. But my family is made up of really dark skinned people. So growing up, uh, that was just the norm for me. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I was always told I was beautiful. Uh, so when I came here and I heard the opposite, I was like, these people must be crazy. It just really didn't, uh, dawn on me until, you know, they kept harping on it and they had like high school is cruel too. You know, they had these, like, uh, these jokes that would have them in the cafeteria during uh, lunch hour, you know, talk about your mom is so dark, you know, uh, she showed up to night school and she was mocked up and it was just like ridiculous jokes and, if you don't have a healthy sense of self, there is nothing to stop you from having a low self-esteem. And I think a lot of uh, dark-skinned people, both African immigrants and uh, African-Americans, suffer from that, especially dark-skinned African-American women. The fact is darker-skinned people are assumed to be more threatening or more dangerous than people. with. So when you walk into a room, people are making those assumptions. And, you know, skin tone bias, still a relatively new discussion. You know, not a lot of people out there talking about it. But, uh, you know, a a study that's recently done shows that black people have a 36% uh, higher chance of being jailed at some point in their lives. And it shoots up to 66% if you're darker. So if you're a, a, a darker skinned black person like yourself, Leaky, your chances of getting thrown in jail are up to 66%. Though I know you, and if you get thrown in jail, it's probably not because of the color of your skin. <laughs> what would it be? 
careful. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, it's really the color of punishment. You know, black Americans and with, with dark skins. And at, actually, Latinos face the same discrimination based on, you know, darker skin Latinos are are more likely to uh, be jailed or, or hassled or, or discriminated against than lighter skin Latinos. Oh, yeah. I mean, this phenomenon is uh, global and it's and it's in every dark skinned community. So it doesn't matter if you're Latin American, you know, that you're Asian or African, uh, wherever there's dark skin, you know, there's that phenomenon happening. I mean, even sometimes coming from it most, you know, since it is colorism we're talking about. A lot of this stuff is even uh, perpetrated, a lot of the discrimination is perpetrated against darker skinned people by other black people. Like for instance, uh, my it, my last job, I had uh, this light skinned um, black woman who started working there. There were just a couple of us. So her being younger and new, I reached out to her, you know, like, hey, you know, welcome, this, this, and that, you know, if you need anything, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. And she just kind of like gave me the whatever look. And I was like, okay. So eventually, you know, um, she got used to me and we started talking and she confessed to me. She says the reason she stayed away from me is because I reminded her of the women who tortured her when she was younger. Because she's light skinned, so there's oh the other end gosh. of the yeah. spectrum. So to to her, me being dark skinned, uh, kind of took her back to, oh shoot, she's probably gonna hate me because I'm light skinned, and I'm like the complete opposite. And I told her, I'm like, if anything, you know, we experience the same stuff just at the opposite ends of the spectrum. So that was uh, that was eye opening for me, and personally, I feel. Uh, most of the discrimination, most of the ugly remarks people have uh, made about my skin tone or anything like that come from other black people. I, I, I've i never actually heard any white person uh, say anything about my skin tone. If anything, I get a lot of compliments, you know. Um, and now in the last 10 or so years, I've seen kind of a trend within the black community uh, that's a little bit more positive. You know, now I see a lot of black people, black women, black men that will, you know, stop me in the streets and be like, oh my God, I love your skin. It is just so beautiful and stuff. And that's that's how I feel. So I'm always like, oh, well, thank you. You know, I don't expect anything uh, different. You know what I mean? And I think that bewilders some people who think I should be having a very low self-esteem because I'm so dark. But it's the opposite. Well, there was a law professor at Washington University in, in St. Louis. Her name is Kimberly Norwood. Um, she wrote a book, Color Matters, Skin Tone Bias, and the Myth of a Post-Racial America. And she shares many of the things that you're, you're talking about. She says that, you know, colorism is more than just, you know, insults when you're in growing up. It can have a serious negative impact on self-esteem for darker skinned girls. And I, it, it, you know, a lot of our conversation and a lot of the research that I was able to find seems like the whole colorism thing, it certainly has an impact on men as well, but much more of an impact on women. Would you agree? Yes. Uh, and that's the ugly part of it, because for me, as a dark skinned person, I don't 
as far as self-esteem, I don't really feel a certain way about myself, you know, like I don't think of myself any less. But what gets me, just like what gets me about racism, is when these things impact my access to opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's when I just I get annoyed by it all. Well, what's also insidious about colorism is that it's it's hard to prove in the workplace. I mean, if somebody says, "Well, you're being racist to darker skin," they're like, "Well, look how many employees we have that identify as black," and you know, it's the the trying to distinguish between the level of blackness. Um, it, it's hard to it's hard to pin that on someone, even though it may be prevalent. Oh yeah, but it is there. You know, it's 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 always in the back of my mind. The older I get, the less I really think about those things. But, you know, it's just a reality that I continue living in. Like I, I said in, in another episode of a podcast, sometimes it feels like being born into a black skin is being born into the pits of hell. But, hey, it's just the reality we live in and you got to roll with the punches. I I can't even imagine a leaky. Uh, you know, another of the negative impacts of colorism is that, you know, darker skinned uh, women, especially, but men, men to a certain point as well, they don't see themselves reflected in the media. There, there just aren't that many uh, dark, dark skin uh, female celebrities. I mean, I think of Naomi Campbell, Kelly Rowland, but I can't go much further than that. Um, they're just, uh, darker skinned girls aren't seeing people on, on TV and in movies that, that reflect themselves. Although, what do you think? Is it, am I missing some? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't go, you know, you're our media expert. Um, (laughs) who, Who are the hot, who are the hot actresses today that, you know, young black, uh, American girls can look up to that are dark skinned. Yeah. We don't have a lot out there. Um, I mean, the Kelly Rollins and the Naomi Campbells or whatever, those, they're considered dark skin here. But when you're really looking at the spectrum, they're not even that dark. Um, in the recent... I read somewhere where they were referring to Holly Berry as dark. And I'm like, really? <laughs> in which as, world? <laughs> she's about as cream color black as you can get, I guess. I know, right? Yeah. No, but like uh, Lupita Nyong'o is probably the darkest... Uh, highly visible actress right now and she interestingly interestingly wrote a book about growing up dark-skinned and you know she was uh raised she was born and raised in um in mexico so she had that experience over there and she wrote this book and it was it was very eye-opening because like reading it it was like i wrote it um and but in the last I feel like in the last decade or in the past three or even four years since uh, the Black Lives uh, Matter movement uh, has kind of gone viral and it's become a global phenomenon, I've seen more um, representation of dark-skinned women uh, with what they like to call nappy hair in this country, which is just really African hair, um, represented in ads, you know, whether it's TV ads or billboards, even here where I live uh, in the Lehigh Valley, which is majority uh, Hispanics and uh, whites, there are a lot of um, 
billboards with people who look like me. So that is, you know, a movement towards something I would think a little bit more representative. So I think we're taking some steps forward. And, uh, and I really believe that how we feel is an inside job, although we live in a world where, you know, blackness is, you know, um, equated with uh, everything that's ugly. Even when you look up the definition of that word and you compare it to the definition of white in the dictionary, it's just the polar opposite. So, I, and I think that's why I don't really care for uh, being called black because I believe that uh, words matter, words are spells. That's why they call them spelling. So, you know, you, you got all of this stuff written about what blackness represents. And then that's what, you know, black people, that's what we Africans, people of Af with African ancestry are called uh, here in the United States and other parts of the world. That's why I don't really care for that uh, word black. I, I like to refer to myself and other people with African ancestry as Africans. You know, that's just how I, that's how I was raised and that's how I view myself. Well, I think you and I and others, hopefully the people that are listening to our podcast, you know, we need to learn how to listen and contribute to the discussion of colorism. We, we got to be, uh, brave enough to talk about it and not, not avoid it. Cause that's going to help, uh, direct, you know, the society, uh, towards, uh, a greater, you know, allyship against, uh, colorism and ultimately racism. True that, true that. And then, I mean, I don't want to get personal on this, but I've known you all these years, uh, something that I love to see when I come visit you and, you know, your daughter, Allie, and her kids is you know, just how diversity is sort of emphasized. And it's not in a blatant way. It's just, you know, like how Kyla's best friend looks like me. You know, what are the odds? And I think she's from she's either from my part of the world, you know, like East Africa, like Uganda or Ghanaian. Uh, I'm not sure. But um, and then just even the dolls that. Uh, uh, McKenna plays with they like they represent all different hues, and I just love how you know you guys are raising the next generation to be so aware of how diverse the world is, and that's what we can do. You know, uh, we can sit and complain about all this, or we can actually do stuff within our families, within our communities, to make sure that the generations that are coming up are not as blind about these things as the previous generations. So I admire that very much about your family. Kids aren't born racist. They're taught to be racist. So racism is a choice. And Aliki, I hope more and more of our listeners and, and, and the rest of uh, the rest of the United States focuses more on, on not teaching racism, but teaching that uh, our color of skin doesn't matter at all. So, uh, that's going to bring our show to the end, Aliki. This has been fascinating. Indeed, it has. Thank you so much uh, for, you know, just the opportunity to be able to discuss this. Um, our next, our, our next show uh, is going to be part two of our obsession with the color of our skin. We're going to talk about 
all the things people do to make their skin lighter or darker to the point where some even cross the line into cultural appropriation. Some even go so far as to pretend they're minorities just to get the perks. So make sure you tune in. Thanks to all our listeners. Please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, but mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. Mm-hmm.